Elon Musk has pulled out of a deal to own Twitter, or at least he's trying to. As a result, Twitter is now suing him. How did this all happen? Tim Higgins is a reporter for the Wall Street Journal's San Francisco Bureau, and he's author of the book Power Play, Tesla, Elon Musk, and the Bet of the Century. He joins us on the line for a conversation now. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Let's start out with how this all got started in the first place. Now, I know Elon Musk has dabbled in things other than electric cars, obviously, including a, a solar city amongst other ventures. But why, why that initial move on Twitter? Why did he want to own Twitter? Well, Elon Musk is a power user of Twitter. Uh, it's someplace that for years he's gone uh, in his his free time, which it's hard to imagine a, a guy like Elon Musk having any free time, but he would carve out uh, moments uh, famously when he was on the toilet or uh, between meetings and engage in that world. And it's helped to build his reputation globally. It's helped build a customer base for Tesla. It's helped uh, Tesla avoid having to spend the, the kind of money on TV advertising to get the, the word out about his cars. It's helped him kind of create this image. And it... it he basically uh, was watching as the social media world was becoming concerned uh, about misinformation, uh, about uh, uh, the way uh, uh, speech was being handled, and increasingly became concerned that voices were being limited. In particular, when he saw uh, President Donald Trump here in the States uh, get kicked off the platform, um, he was concerned that voices were being silenced. And, you know, here's a guy who had helped build his fortune using that tool as Twitter. And it was very easy to understand that maybe he was concerned that his voice might be canceled. And so he started buying up uh, shares in the company uh, quietly until he amassed uh, enough that uh, he eventually had to go public with it. And it, he, he basically provided the board with a, kind of a choice. Um, he wanted to be on the board. Uh, he wanted to buy the company or he might create his own social media company. So was he ever serious about getting Twitter, though? I remember when it first started just in the rumor mill that Elon Musk wanted Twitter. A lot of people were saying, ah, this is just uh, this is him and his bravado and a display of his ego. He's not serious. And then obviously it ended up becoming more serious. But was he not actually ever intending to go through with it? What do you think? A lot of people misunderestimate Elon Musk. They want to think that, you know, he's being frivolous or he's playing a joke. And it's sometimes hard to know because of the way he's communicating or he's acting. Um, but in this case, he did pull together the financing for it. And so, you know, either it's he was serious or it is a massively expensive joke. Uh, and so I think you have to kind of take it seriously given the fact that he's gone as far as he did. Now, what has changed is that the valuation uh, of Twitter dropped dramatically. Yes. Um, you know, the marketplace changed dramatically from when he was willing to pay $44 billion for the company, a massive uh, markup from where it was in the marketplace. Uh, we're on the verge of, or we may already be in a recession, advertising, uh, which is where 90% of Twitter's revenue comes from. Uh, the advertising market is being affected. Uh, Twitter is struggling uh, with its user base. And all of a sudden, it looks like maybe Elon Musk was overpaying. And there is some suspicion that he is trying to get the price down or wants to get out of it because he doesn't want to pay this inflated cost. 
And what about this reasoning that he provided that uh, the company, Twitter, failed to provide him the data he requested? What do you think about all that? Well, the, the core, kind of the crux of the disagreement is that Elon is, is claiming that uh, Twitter was not um, transparent or open about the percentage of, of bots or percentage of fake accounts on its platform. Um, and it's, it's kind of hard to reason with this because for years, Elon has complained about the number of uh, spam accounts, fake accounts, yeah. bots, if you will, uh, because he's a power user and sees this often in his feed. Uh, I've seen uh, research suggesting that he is more likely to see these kind of things than the average user, that his account is just flooded with this sort of stuff. So he's exactly. known about it. And now he's trying to say that, well, Twitter was not uh, upfront with the actual amount. And so it's a disagreement. Twitter would, has said in, for a while, and it continues to say that less than 5% of the accounts are bots. Uh, or 5% of the traffic is bots. And he's saying that's wildly higher than that. And that's where the disagreement is coming from. And, you know, some outside of observers are looking at that as a pretext to just try to get out of the agreement. But uh, it's interesting in, in the court filings that Elon's team has filed, he's suggesting that the way Twitter was going about kind of looking at looking for fake accounts was not a very robust uh, way of doing it. Yeah, and what do we know about this uh, go- This going to the Delaware court? A lot has been made about the judge involved and going toe-to-toe with Musk. What do you think about that? Well, her reputation is no nonsense. It's a court, uh, but it's also a, a court that has uh, you know, a reputation for uh, giving uh, companies some leeway. Elon Musk has experience uh, in this court. Uh, he has been sued. Uh, his companies have been sued there. And he has found um, some some leeway there. The challenge for for Musk from observers of this court is he he's not good. It's going to be very hard. He's going to have to prove that these uh, the information about bots was material, misleading. That this really changes the deal altogether, and that's a very hard thing to do. And this kind of court doesn't necessarily like to, uh, y- you know, do what he is asking to do, that there was some sort of material breach. And so it's going to be an uphill battle for him. But the, the real thing that might be going on here, people who have uh, observed these kinds of uh, negotiations over the years, oftentimes uh, a buyer and a seller come to some disagreement at this point in these transactions, and they use the kind of litigation uh, to force an, a settlement or a negotiation. So Elon's endgame here might be trying to get the price of Twitter down to make it more palatable to him or to get the, the, the walkaway cost uh, more palatable. He, he would have to pay money to get out of the deal. And the leverage he has here is that Twitter wants this to, to end as quickly as possible. And he's going to want to try to drag it out because this is a cloud over their head. It's, it's hard for them to, to go about business as usual when this is occupying their time. And uh, Elon here is the world's richest man. He can, you know, tie them up in court and, and make their lives miserable. So it's, this is a game of brinksmanship, and he's a very hard-nosed negotiator. And how could Twitter even resuscitate itself if Twitter lost? The, if, the, the challenge for Twitter is as they try to kind of re-pivot for this world. They, they were in the process of, of trying to, to make the business more robust. They've been under criticism for years. People look at Twitter as, 
it punches uh, above its weight reputationally, especially among journalists and politicians, uh, especially in the U.S., uh, kind of attracting uh, more attention than it actually uh, delivers probably among uh, normal users. Uh, uh, investors will look at the likes of Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp and, and TikTok and Snap, and these are capturing uh, y- young people's imaginations, whereas, uh, you know, Twitter's in, comparatively small. And so some investors look at that as an opportunity that if they could just get under the hood and, tw- and, and tinker, that maybe this could be a more valuable property. That's what Elon Musk uh, it was basically selling that he could turn it into a powerhouse, make it into kind of one of those apps on your, your iPhone that would rule them all, maybe a, in payments and, and kind of be the center of your digital life. But, you know, this is something that's very hard to do. Uh, and so the challenge for Twitter now is to assure advertisers that it's uh, a valuable property that you can reach users and to kind of create the content or create the environment for users to create the content that attracts attention. Well, we're continuing our conversation about Elon Musk and Twitter with author Tim Higgins. He's written a book, Power Play, Tesla, Elon Musk, and the Bet of the Century. Tim, you're also a reporter at Wall Street Journal San Francisco Bureau, but I am so curious about what led you to dedicate a chunk of your life to researching and writing all things Elon Musk. Yeah, well, I spent a long time in Detroit writing about the automotive industry before moving to Silicon Valley to write about the tech industry. And I arrived in the Valley at a point in time which was very interesting and exciting, kind of the marriage between the hardware world of cars and the software world of of the Valley. And and Tesla really embodied that in a very dramatic way. And the, the, the idea of Tesla was to, to kind of show the world that electric cars uh, could be cool, that they could be sexy, that they could be pragmatic. Before that, uh, really, there was uh, always this idea of electrification of the automobile, but how to do that was in question. And most people thought of an electric car as something like a golf cart. And yeah, I think you and I both can agree that a golf cart just really isn't very sexy. Yeah, there was so much pomp and and promise around Tesla and what it could do back then. Some of it has come true, but then some of it was just Musk uh, talking big dreams uh, and big promises Mm -hmm. that he couldn't deliver on. How does this this current Twitter case that's going on now, how does it uh, impact Tesla, do you think? Well, it's it's a challenge for uh, Tesla. Uh, Elon would probably disagree with that, but uh, the issue is there is only so much time in the day. Elon Musk has yet, event, has yet to invent the ability to create more hours on the clock. And he spends his time uh, between SpaceX, his rocket company, which has the ambitions of going to Mars, and Tesla. Those are really, between those two companies, that occupies maybe 80 or 90% of his time. And all these other companies, whether it's uh, Neuralink or the Boring Company or whatever, uh, really are almost hobbies to him, uh, something um, that he kind of dabbles in, uh, he is invested in and kind of has a vision for, but aren't taking his day-to-day uh, bandwidth. Uh, the question of Twitter is, where does that fit into the portfolio? Uh, it's, it's clear uh, that Twitter, it, to do what he wants, would require a huge lift. Um, uh, uh, and he does not traditionally like uh, the kinds of things that Twitter does, whether it's advertising or marketing. He's, he likes to think of himself as 
footprint engineer. He likes to get into the nitty gritty on engineering issues. So he might uh, kind of look forward to the idea of, of, of debating how to do algorithms or uh, the kind of the under the hood kind of things at Twitter. But it's hard to imagine he's going to be too excited to deal with uh, the advertising community and the kinds of things that are, are needed uh, when you're really a content platform. Um, when he's talked about how he would uh, handle uh, offensive content on Twitter uh, in the past, uh, he essentially wants there to be a speech on there that people would find disagreeable. Um, you know, other platforms um, have struggled with that kind of uh, uh, philosophy and, and really has created a lot of drama and a lot of challenges around the world as uh, these powerful institutions uh, uh, kind of deal with their role in modern life. What do you think his endgame was with Twitter and this whole, uh, what do you think his ultimate aim was with free speech? Well, you know, I, yeah, I'm going to take him at his word that he was, you know, interested in the power of the platform and protecting it as a, as a place for a town, to be a town square, to, to air uh, speech. Uh, you know, he's an investor in Twitter, so, you know, his bottom line is attached to that. But uh, the real uh, thing here for Elon Musk is he's been able to reach people around the world and use Twitter as a tool um, to create um, kind of his personality, his his companies. It's helped make him the world's richest man because of his ability to communicate with the masses. So if Twitter goes away as a tool, if it's no longer successful, if he, if he can't reach people with it, uh, that hurts him. That, that hurts uh, his companies. And so in a lot of ways, him kind of tinkering with Twitter is not only a risk uh, for his, him as an investment, but it's a risk for him and his ability to reach the world. People have long seen uh, Elon Musk as kind of technologically prophetic, a dreamer that made things happen. Has our perception of him in general changed since this whole Twitter thing started? It, it, Elon Musk, uh, one of his greatest attributes, really, especially if you look at Tesla, the, the car company as an example, is his ability to sell his vision of the future, uh, not only to customers, which was very important, but more importantly to investors and raise the billions and billions of dollars over the course of many, many years to keep the company afloat until it could become a viable car company. Um, and that, that is often kind of overlooked. He would like to kind of be, have be seen as an engineer, um, as this great engineer and creator, but it's really his ability to sell his vision, to be that uh, person that now a lot of people think is a visionary or as kind of selling the future. Uh, this mess with Twitter uh, perhaps uh, hurts him in business circles uh, in, in, in the way that uh, traditional business people look at. Kind of, he's breaking norms here. But among some of his fans, this is just Elon being Elon, and that is part of his charm uh, among his supporters is that he's very raw, that he is in a lot of ways in their minds authentic. He is saying the kinds of things and doing the kinds of things you don't see uh, traditional uh, CEOs do. You don't see captains of industry engage uh, online in such a personal and oftentimes uh, messy way.
Yeah, and you often don't see the heads of companies saying things as big as everyone's going to be driving one of my vehicles. They're going to be X amount of dollars. They'll all be $30,000 only. Everyone can afford them and this kind of thing. Um, we'll have self, fully functioning self-driving cars. Uh, huge promises, but he's able to make good on many of them. Um, you have interviewed people that have been in Musk's closer circle. What is your grasp of what he's really like as uh, the rest of us uh, just take stabs in the dark and guesses at what his character is really like? Well, it's interesting. He is, uh, you, you talk to people who have worked with him closely over the years, and it's, it's mixed. People want to think that Elon is either black or white, but in a lot of ways, he's gray. Uh, on certain days, he's the hero. On certain days, he's the villain. And one of the common things that I hear from people who have worked with him is that at first, they're very much attracted to him and his vision. And he sells this future world that they want to be part of, either trying to save Earth uh, with electric cars or uh, save humanity by going to another planet. Uh, these things are very attractive to people. And he runs his companies in a way that are different than other companies. They're trying to do things that are new and hard, and that's thrilling to people. But it's also really hard. And oftentimes, uh, you know, the best laid plans don't go uh, well there. And he, Elon Musk, has a history of eating people up in a lot of ways. And at one point, I counted over the course of maybe 18 months, he went through uh, more than 50 vice presidents or higher ranking executives at Tesla, uh, people who, you know, were very bright, who either lost faith in or they uh, grew tired of working with him and, and departed. And that kind of turnover indicates that it's not easy working for Elon Musk. Mm, as we've heard, it's not easy working for a lot of the uh, bigwigs. Tim, thank you so much for this conversation. It's been very interesting. Thank you.